0: to The Rice Life, a podcast by Rice Extension. Hi, I'm Charlton and I'm Harriet and we're Extension Officers for the Australian rice industry. Each week we'll bring you a conversation that's connecting growers with research, technology and best practice. There we go, just tie everything together because like I said at the very start, this is all about trying to give you guys information and tools um, to help you guys have the most successful establishment. Um, We've spoken to a couple of grow groups last year and, and even agronomists um, sort of say, you know, you can, you can tell who's going to yield a really good cross, rice crop just on the strength of their paddock preparation and, and establishment that's accounting for 90-plus percent of your yield. So that's why it's just so critical to um, make sure you have really successful establishment. Um, so I'm just going to run through some of the key steps, um, information about grow groups, and information about case studies, um, then give a bit of a summary at the very end uh, and look at C22 engagement from a rice extension point of view. Um, And then we will run a really quick survey um, just at the final, um, at the very end, and I really encourage everyone to answer those questions. That just helps sort of inform and shape um, rice extensions program and just making sure that we're giving you guys the information that you really need. So I um, encourage you to stick around at the end to answer those questions. Um, so just, there we go. Um, where I wanted to start is just, um, recapping off the key steps. This is something that RAS extension, um, sort of really made a push for last year with the rest of the industry, just to focus on those back to basic steps. Um, those 10 key steps, Thirteen key steps for aerial dry broadcast um, crops, um, and these each step is just um, is the steps that we think are critical to ensure you're getting a really high yielding um, rice crop. Um, last year, in our grower groups, um, we collected a lot of this information uh, and tried to benchmark growers against each other. Um, this year, as we sort of mentioned with um, Annie and, and hinted at it with, with Sunrise, instead we're really encouraging growers to put this information straight into the Sunrise JS system. That just means that the whole of industry can start to be benchmarked against each other um, rather than just that small sort of pilot group that we had last year. Um, and just to demonstrate, um, this is the information that um, I collected from some of the grow groups in the MIA and the CIA on um, this bit of a, and the Murray Valley. Um, the yield for each of the growers that participated in this pilot sort of study was converted to a percentage, and that allowed us to compare different varieties against each other. And then the key steps, because it was either 10 or 13 key steps followed, um, was also converted to a percentage. And it's just showing that nice trend between um, the more key steps that each grower ticked off, the more likely that you were going to reach a high yield. So I think that just um, reiterated for us that we were on the right track um, with really promoting these key steps. And to drum down into those key steps and and focus on um, what you guys need to be really looking at, uh, that's for a drill-sown crop. Um, Once again, just talking about um, establishment, it's – It's really about paddock preparation. So now's the time if you haven't to really make sure that your ground's ready for the upcoming season, making sure that you've got um, a clean seed bed and really critical I think is making sure that you've got a really firm seed bed. Um, Before you put your seed order in, um, make sure that you're really familiar with the varieties for your region and the sowing window. So we heard from, from Brian Dunn, you know, the importance of sowing on time and even in particular for collie growers, um, making sure you're, you're really hitting the very start of the sowing window. Um, that's really critical for um ambly, as Brian mentioned, at slightly cooler temperatures. Um and yeah, making sure that you're up to date with the right sowing rate. So um, Brian also mentioned that he's um, had a change to the recommended sowing date down sowing rate from 150 nows dropped down to 140 kilos, and that's really the maximum um, sowing rate that you should be going for. And just aiming for that 100 to 200 plants per meter squared. Um, similarly, the uh, same. Same steps and same focus for the aerial and dry broadcast management crops. Uh, once again, it's a focus on that um, paddock preparation, so making sure there's no high or low areas. Um, you're having a firm, ridge rolled seed, seed bed that will allow for better plant establishment. Um, and once again, yeah, making sure that you're aware and uh, well read up on the, on the different variety guides and sowing windows. So I also wanted to say that these key steps can be avail- can be downloaded and how to, um, you can read them on our RAS extension website um, under resources. And it does say videos there. That's actually um, indicating there's also a video there that we've got on paddock preparation and setting up and calibrating your cedar. Um, but you can also download these key steps just to, um, I don't know, print off and have it in the ute just to tick off throughout the season. And I did mention a little bit there about the grower groups. Um, Just for anyone who wasn't aware, last year um, we had um, three grower groups in the Murrumbidgee Valley. We had one at Collie Ambley, Mile Park and Benaremba. And these groups met sort of four to five times throughout the season. Um, We are, these groups will be running again this coming season. um, And we are now looking for any expressions of interest to join these groups um, and you can contact Troy, I've got his details up on the slide, if you'd like to participate and be part of these groups. Um, but just know that if you are going to be part of this, these groups, um, you really have to demonstrate commitment to turning up to these four to five um, season four to five meetings throughout the season. And that's just because we want to encourage, um, you know, growers to, um, you know, be sharing as much information as possible within each other. So we don't want people coming and going. We want people to be in it um, and supporting each other throughout the whole season. So I encourage you to sign up um, and get in touch with Troy Major, but just know um, we really want the commitment to meeting um, throughout the season. Um, and, yeah, just to reiterate, if you were part of these grower groups last season, we will be um, sending out some information soon about um, meeting up for C22. So where I wanted to go to now is just touching on a couple of different case studies. Um, Brian's mentioned a lot of information about um, the new variety VO71 and how positive um, and exciting that is to have a potential replacement for Rizik. Um, And basically grower services and rice extension team monitored these. uh, We had 14 commercially grown VO70 crops And we've put together a bit of a case study that's just about to become live on our website and we'll share this link in our upcoming September newsletter and it provides a bit of a snapshot and overview of um, four crops grown both in the Murrumbidgee and the Murray Valley and and the grower experiences growing them. Um, I just wanted to uh, show just two crops, uh, one in Wilbriggie and one in... um, with jelly unfortunately there was no commercially grown crops in Colliambly to share with you today but what I did want to say that for these case studies um in this picture right here you can see the VO71 crop um, is right is the paddock right up front but behind it is an adjacent risite crop and many of these VO71 crops actually I think all of them really have been grown in have been grown either next door to or um with a Rizik crop that's virtually had um, very similar or near-identical crop management. So it just allowed for a bit of a nice comparison with how the crop performed. Um, This crop was the highest yielding um, VO71, uh, nothing to sneeze out there, with a 15.4 tonne per hectare yield. Um, This was dry broadcast and sown um, middle of October, Um, stock standard chemical program, um, really good establishment and weed control, um, treated very or pretty much identically to the adjacent Rizik crop. Um, And the adjacent Rizik crop yielded very much um, almost identical as well, but for there was a real difference in maturity. And so you can see there that even though they were drained uh, only within a few days of each other in hindsight um, the grower here was sort of uh, really conscious of the fact that rainfall really saved the roseate crop and it just took forever to um turn and come in and that's just reiterating back what brian said at the, at the start of the season where um vo71 didn't cut out whereas the maturity kept on being delayed for the roseate crop um, and just to grow sort of sentiment here um interestingly he's Found that the crop stayed short all season, um, and looked almost underdone, whereas Rizik had that real rankness, um, and the heads were sort of never above the flag. Um, and again, was just talking about the difference and maturity between the crops was about two and a half half weeks. Um, I deliberately um, have included that sentiment because about it being short and underdone, because that's in direct contrast to another crop that I'm about to share, which was an absolute monster crop. Um, I think that just shows that the VO71 crop, just like the Razique crop, um, there's heaps of um, differences in how it's going to look. Um, but yeah, it's not, not going to be one sort of stock standard um, recipe on how the VO71 crop performs. All right, just before you go into that with jelly crop, just I just wanted to confirm, so even though there was a couple of weeks' difference between the Rizik harvest and 71 harvest, and that was the case in pretty well every uh, every crop, every comparative crop with 71 and Rizik, um, that they are their same seasonal length. So the only yeah. reason I pushed out this year is because of the cold and Rizik shuts down, and as Brian said, the 71 just powers through. So... 71 is period sensitive, Rizek is more temperature sensitive. Um, so it doesn't mean that you plant the 71 later um, or it's not a short season crop. Um, VA 71 has been confused with the end a few times in thinking it's a short season crop. It's not. It's the same season length and the same planting window as Rizek is. No, thanks, Mark. That was really, um, really good point to make, make there. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, this is just in direct contrast to this VO71 drill sown crop with jelly. Um, once again, a pretty stock standard management for a drill sown crop um, through a mix. Um, oh, sorry, I should point out this crop was sown quite early um, and it did have its PI um, come in um, early as well. Um, but it had a really high PI nitrogen uptake as well, um, which I think uh, at the back end of the season just like Mark was saying, it it took forever to, to come in and turn and I think that's, yeah, absolutely to do with the high nitrogen and, and, the, um, and the, the fact that Rizik was was cutting out uh, when it was cold. Um, and the growers' comment was, yeah, it was just a monster crop that stayed green and took forever to come in. Um, you did find a bit of difficulty separating it, although um, I do know that Brian says that it, it should be better um, but that was just his experience, um, and he was really impressed with the crop. I think it's got a fit on his return ground, and that's just because it's had really good crop vigour and establishment. It was just so much better than his Rizate crops. So Bohemi just felt that the VO71 sort of bounced, bounced away and, and got established really quick. Um, I did mention about... Yeah, if you want to read further about these case studies, you just jump onto our website and click the tab resources. A little drop down um, will come up and you can select grower case studies. Um, And I will just run through a couple of other case studies. I won't go into too much detail, but just to show you that it's there. And if you do want to read up more about it, if it's applicable to your situation, um, you can go and read up. So once again, um, you can jump onto our website and they will come up chronologically once you click grower case studies or alternatively you can put in sort of keywords into the search bar and that will also bring up things such as, you know, if you want to know about double cropping, you type in double cropping and a whole um, sort of suite of case studies will come up there. Um, So one case study in there is um, just talking about how, Calibrating a spreader helped achieve the highest overall topaz yield. Um, Once again, going back to Brian's comment about growers uh, introducing variability within their fields. And in C20, we had a grower here that was just really striped paddocks, um, real headache uh, when it came to top dressing and then also drainage. Like there was huge variability in in moisture and um, and yield between those stripes. Um, A quick sort of um, ring call to his local dealer to get his spreader um, calibrated. Yeah, just made life a lot easier the next year with a really smooth um, and even crop growth for C21. Um, And while I'm thinking of it, um, I will also put the contact details for Russell Nichols. He's um, fondly referred to as the spreader whisperer. Um, He will be coming to the area um, around the first week of September. I'll just have to confirm that. So if anyone wants Um, To get their spreader checked over, um, get in touch and I'll pass on his details. Um, Another case study is just drill sowing viand straight into um, standing canola stubble. A lot of questions we often get about how crops will go after the end, uh, after canola. Apologies, Um, and here was just a really successful example of how. Minimal inputs um, just whacked the crop straight in, really good establishment, and the canola volunteers were just controlled by going early to permanent water. Um, and you can have a look at the rice crop management on our website. Um, another case study was uh, last year a lot of people grew Rizik late um, in middle of November, just a combination of things such as late allocations and also um, no viand availability. And this just looks at two neighbouring two neighbors who grew a viand and a Rizique crop within two days of each other and just follows what their crop management were. And they both had really successful yields. Um, however, Grower, who did the Rizique crop, you know, was pretty conscious of the fact that he was really lucky to yield as well as he did um, because both of them sort of had their PI just outside of, out of the optimum window. Um, also have a case study on vetch before rice. Um, this was a really, um, a really lush sort of vetch crop was sprayed out in August and then um, decision was to plough um, and disc sort of the vetch double in before the rice crop was sown. Um, but also this case study looks at, he did a trial strip and just left the standing sort of, um, instead of disking in the mulch, just left it and drilled straight into the trash. So it sort of looks at those two different paddock preparations and the following rice crop management. I did also want to touch on, um, stem rot. Uh, there was some crops identified in the MIA that had, that had the presence of stem rot in the, in the rice crops. Um, Just with RAS and RAS providing the perfect environment, um, wet winter and high stubble loads, it's just a a perfect perfect environment um, for stem rot to sort of build. Um, There's no control or no fungicide registered for the use of control of stem rot, so it really comes down to um, hygiene um, and cleaning your machinery and boots. I do encourage you to go into your field and have a look when you have um, deep water or permanent water on, and just have a look at the at where the watermark sits. Just have a look and see if you've got any um, developing sort of black lesion marks, and that might um, just keep your eye out and see, um, yeah, whether you've got any levels of stem rot um, building in your paddock. Um, also encourage you, if you haven't already burnt your stubble, just make sure you've got a really hot burn to try and minimise um, the stubble which is where the sclerotia sort of transfers across. Um, so just to bring everything home, um, once again, it's all about paddock preparation. You really want a weed-free and firm seed bed is critical. Um, be organised and ready to sow on time. Once again, um, especially for collie ambly, make sure you're sowing at the the very front end of the window. Maybe let's call it a sowing date, not a sowing window. And make sure you're just hitting that uh, as early as you can um, to maximise your best chance of a high yielding crop. Um, encourage you to read up on all the resources available for your variety guides and case studies. Um, also sort of revise, um, just think about your rice crop Um, chemical program we we had some great different options given to us by Malcolm on the strengths and weaknesses of each program and and the flexibility you might have um, if there's any chemical supply shortage and um, thanks again once to Connie for um, coming on and talking about the best practice management for Ajixa and Eubenic apologies I was um, dropped out and had some internet issues there but thank you really big thanks to Connie for coming and complimenting Malcolm's presentation. Um, just on that, I also wanted to say that last year, Charlie and myself, um, had a podcast recording with Connie and Malcolm on the use of a Gixa and some alternative, um, chemical options. So they can also be found on our pod, on our website under the tab podcasts. And so, yeah, maybe, um, jump on and, and have a listen. Um, if you want to just refresh yourself again on the best practice management for a Gixa. Um, Yeah, touching back on Patrick from New South Wales DPI, um, just the importance of planning ahead and being proactive for your duck control and just being conscious of the impact of COVID-19 on the duck hunters. Um, And thanks also to Sunrise for Chris and Mark giving us an update. Um, I just want to reiterate the, I think I'd really encourage growers to get on and have a look at the GIS webinar that will be run by um, Alistair Clark. That'll just make sure that you're on the front foot and comfortable and confident navigating MapRice for ready for seed ordering and inputting your data throughout the rest of the season. Um, I hope Mark and Chris's phone will run hot. Um, if you've got any questions, I encourage you to call them. Um, and yeah, just finally a recap, the expressions of interest are now open for the grow group. So reach out to Troy major if you would like to be involved, um, in terms of C22 rice extension engagement, um, we will be holding mid season, panicle initiation and drainage field walks. Um, newsletter will be sent out each month. So if you haven't subscribed, you can, um, on our website, um, there's an option to sign up and subscribe or just get in touch with someone on the team and we'll add you to the mailing list. Please rate, review or subscribe or share it to social media as this gives our podcast more exposure and we can share it with the wider industry. Until next time, have a nice day.